Oh, man, so glad you're here. And um, love that we get to share this moment. I think the biggest reason for me, if you're looking for a reason to be in a place like this at 12 o'clock on a Sunday is because of Jesus. Um, man, there's, there's no love like that. And so it's, it's why we come. It's why we worship. It's why we honor. It's why we love. It's why, because he, he just deserves it. And so that's, that's what this is all about. And so thanks for being here. Um, one of the things that we are going to have a chance to do as we kind of begin this season in church life of being on mission with God and however messy that looks is to go um, on mission trips uh, to kind of get out of here. We'd love everybody to go on mission somewhere. So there'll probably be a lot of international trips coming and uh, there'll be a lot of things within the community that we're going to be doing, continuing to do. Uh, and then there's national trips. We're going to be going at, at the end of this month. The team is already preparing and ready to go to Laredo. Yep, very cool. And they're going to be going down there by the border. And uh, there's a, a place they work with down there. And so incredibly excited about that. And one of the guys that is going to be going is Chris Baker. And uh, yeah, woo, yeah. Uh, if you don't know Chris, Chris uh, has a ministry He's actually a tattoo artist, but he has a ministry that removes and cover-ups uh, tattoos of those who have been freed from sex trafficking and those who are getting out of gangs. And for the last eight years, has removed over 5,700 um, or covered up. And we know him well, but the reason I'm, I'm talking is he's going to be going. And when they heard that Chris was coming, they've already got a line of people waiting because there's guys from gangs that are wanting to remove the tattoos um, down by the border. So really cool. Would you come up? I want to kind of, kind of talk with you, give him a, just a warm welcome as he comes. Super excited about this. Welcome my friend. Matt, many of you don't know this, but Chris lives in Oswego and Alpine is his home church. Yes, it is. So that's about an hour drive every week, isn't it? Yeah, yeah about that. <laughs> it's it's good. a good time to pray. Right. An hour in the car. And we need it. He prays yeah. for, <laughs> prays for all of us. Hey, dude, we're glad you're here. I'm glad you're going. It's pretty cool that people are already, you know, lining up to do this. But this is going to require some resources. Kind of tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, the supplies and everything that we need to do, the removals. It sounds like we've got an awful lot of people, which is great. I'll work around the clock. I'll sleep on the flight home. I don't care. Um, but it's probably $750 to $1,000 worth of supplies, needles, solution, um, all the things that go into it, paper towels and all that stuff, bandages. Um, so... Dave and I were kind of kicking around this idea. Hang on before you go there. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, got, I got to mention it. You guys know my mom doesn't let me get tattoos, right? You guys all know that? I'm 49 years old. Yeah, that's putting it lightly. <laughs> Tell them why you say that's putting it lightly. Because the first time I met her, she said, Chris, I love your ministry. I love that you remove tattoos. She said, please don't tattoo my son. Like, I got to respect mom. Mom's please is like you do it yeah. and you pay the price. Now, the Bible says, honor your father and mother, and your days will be long. Yeah. So I'm trying to do that. And so Chris, Chris thought we would kind of go around it a little bit. And so he, had, he made these custom shoes for me. He tattooed my shoes. Isn't that sweet? Here's the other side. We had to up his cool factor a little bit. That, <laughs> that hairdo will only get him so far. You're just jealous of my hair. I am jealous of your hair. <laughs> so, so I'm showing you those because... Yeah, so the idea was, why don't we, we do a drawing? So basically, uh, anybody who donates any amount today, today. I'll be out at the Orange Corner after. Uh, we're going to have you fill out your name and your email address, and then later today I'm going to draw one name, and whoever wins it will get a pair of custom shoes done by me. And if you're not a shoe person... 
Christmas is coming, so they make a great gift. I'm just saying. See, it appeals to all ages. Yes, absolutely. But who doesn't want a pair of custom shoes that you help Chris design? Would that be awesome? But also knowing that it's going to help a lot of really good people that are going through life change, and that's really what it's that's about. That's what it's about, yep. Well, can we pray for this? And just with this Team Laredo, we're going to get them up here before they leave, obviously. But let's just pray that not only will the funds come in, but more than enough to be able to do what we need to do. God, we're just grateful for Chris. I love this guy. Um, he's a good friend, and he loves you, and he's part of our church. And so, God, we're just being creative with ways that we can do what you're wanting us to do. And we know that when you call us, we just have to be obedient, and you take care of the rest. So thank you for that. I pray, God, that you would not just bring that resource in, but whatever is needed for this trip to be a huge success for those who need Jesus. I need to be loved. Uh, thank you for all you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks. Love you guys. Thank you. Upping my cool factor. Ha! Ha! Yeah, baby steps. Oh, we are in a fun series. Um, Goliath must fall, slaying the global giants of injustice. If you've missed it, we're talking about five giants. We're saying global for this reason. Um, not global because uh, we expect you to make a difference on the other side of the world. God may give you that opportunity to do that. That'd be really cool. We're saying global so that you understand that these giants exist right here. They don't just exist around the world. They are here. They're in our backyard. And it's injustice. And God is calling the church um, to love the world uh, in an extravagant way. And that means stepping into these injustices. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, not in our strength, but in his, see these giants fall. Because they have to fall. They will fall. And God is using us in doing that. Those giants are spiritual oppression. Um, talked about that a couple weeks ago. Oppression. Talked about that last week and decided we needed two weeks on this one. And um, I'll share a little bit more on that in just a minute. Uh, poverty, the impoverished, the least of these. That, um, that's not right that anybody not, not have everything God would long for them to have. Not just materially, but spiritually and emotionally. And then uh, disease and illiteracy, the lack of knowledge, not just the ability to read and write. And so next week, obviously, again, we're going to be uh, hitting disease. We have a guest speaker, and we have a guy from Hollywood, a Hollywood producer that's coming in. I also talked to the state's attorney this week uh, from Lake County, and he shared with me what they're doing around the opiate crisis. It's unbelievable. It's actually the church, and I wish the church was more involved. <laughs> so we're going to talk about that. Uh, but today, we're kind of leaning into the second phase of oppression, and let me just say this, and, and I want to be really, really clear with you. Um, we, we can try to do a lot of things in our own strength, and we're, we're, we're achievers. We're, we're human beings that oftentimes get more caught up in ego than Jesus. And I'm, that's, that's confession. Okay, that's not pointing the finger and saying, you egomaniacs. I'm saying we make it about us. You cannot hear me. You cannot beat the things of oppression without Jesus, period. You, you can throw everything at it that you want. You can throw everything that you think, every bit of money, every bit of resource, every bit of self-help at the things the enemy are using to bring us down as humanity. And I am telling you, without Christ, you cannot win this battle. And every person in this room is impacted by oppression. The enemy is using uh, control controlling ways, controlling things, sin, to keep us down. 
And it's an injustice because we were designed to be free. We were actually invited into freedom. And so we said that uh, oppression is defined this way. It is usually where the people have no control of their own lives and have no freedoms and they're living in a state of bondage. That that can actually be um, both spiritual and physical. That can be emotional and mental. It's being held back um, or held down. It's, it's an oppressed state that you weren't designed to be there, but it's being controlled. Uh, one person this morning in, in our time of prayer, which we do every Sunday at 730, we pray for you. We pray for the chair you're sitting in, that the soul and the heart that is in that chair will hear what God wants them to hear and be able to do it through the power of the Holy Spirit in their life. During prayer, um, they said this is what they read about oppression, a prolonged control. And as soon as that hit, I thought, man, that is oppression in and of itself, this prolonged control. I want you to understand something that I think is really, really important. God doesn't use control. God is in control. And when people are in control, they don't have to actually control people. The enemy of our soul is not in control. And therefore, he uses control to control people. God simply invites you into relationship with him where we submit to his lordship willingly and he starts to walk and we follow and he invites us on a path where he is leading us. That's what he does. Control is this thing about oppression that is a prolonged control. So let's go to the word of God. If you'll stand with me, Ephesians chapter 6. And we stand in these moments not out of ritual, not because that's just what you do, because it is the word of God. And every moment of the day or night that we open this, we will be um, freed even more because his truth is what sets us free. We're going to start at Ephesians chapter 6 and we'll read in verse 10. It's becoming one of my favorite things to read. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Hey, Christian, follower of Jesus, you can be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Okay. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. All of them. Even that one you're tripping on. Slave to. Think you need and want. But it's actually... Got you, you don't have it. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. What would happen, church, if we stopped seeing flesh and blood as our enemy? (laughs) But here's what we're fighting against. We're fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Sounds scary. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor. By the way, it's not your armor. It's God's armor. So you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. We go over to James chapter 5, chapter 4. James 4, starting in verse 7. So, humble yourselves. He's saying that right after he said, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So, humble yourselves. Or another word there in another translation would be, submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Not he might, not he'll think about it, but he will. 
There's a devil that needs to flee when you submit to God, and he will. Now you go to Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Um, yeah, 5-1, sorry. I had it marked, but I can't find it. There it is. So Christ has truly set us free. Not he's going to. He has. Not if you do certain things to make him happy. Fulfill your religious duty. He has set you free. Now make sure that you stay free. And don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. God, in these moments, I pray that what would be true for us is that he who the sun sets free is free indeed. And that you would teach us what it looks like to live in that freedom. Awaken our hearts. Holy Spirit, soften the hard spots. Soften the places where we don't think we need you. And God, I pray that you would speak. In Jesus' name, may we be hearers and doers, not just hearers. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Let me say this. I prepped you for it. Now I want to say it. Uh, Jesus Christ is the only answer to all forms of oppression. Every form the, the spiritual things that try to oppress us, the unforgiveness that we're able to give our own selves, the anxiety, the worry, the fear, the sin, the addiction, the hurt, the pain, things that are trying to hold us down and oppress us and control our lives. Jesus is the only answer to the slavery issue in our world today where 27 million are in slavery of some kind, to the racial oppression, to the religious oppression, all oppressions, Jesus is the only answer. Period. The opposite of oppression is submission. So oppression is demanded submission. We talked about this last week. I just want to catch you up. God calls for willing submission. He's not going to demand it. He's going to say, here's the life I have. It's a full life. Do you want it? Follow me. And so we've said that justice that we're fighting for is just as God designed it. Your life, the life of others, the world in which we live in, God is putting things right. And if you want justice, we want just as he designed it. I want a life that God designed it to be. I want you to have the life God designed it to be. It's why I get up here and yell and jump around. I'm not mad at you. I'm excited because just maybe today we will listen and follow in every area of our lives. And what would that look like if we were to do that? Injustice is the opposite of what God designed. It's allowing the things that God never intended to exist in the world today and act like they don't. That's injustice. And so we're speaking into those. Now, as we kind of jump in here, um, let me, Brandon. Come on up. Can we give Brandon a hand? I think this is... How did you know? You knew, didn't you? You sat in front. So it's, it's true, actually. This morning, I, I leaned over to one guy. I said, hey, I'm going to call you up. He goes, no. I'm like, okay, I won't. So I got somebody else who was in a front row. Front row gets dangerous. I'm just saying. Adam and Eve, love them. Creation, God creates Adam and Eve. He's walking with them. They're in the garden. They have a relationship with God. God just says, hey, the, the, the world is yours. Just don't eat of this tree. They choose to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because the devil lied to them and told them they could be like God. And so they rebelled against God. And in doing so, gave us a gift. I found it. And, and so 
you are representing humanity and all of us. I bopped myself in the forehead earlier with one of these. It made a really dent like in my head, so I'm going to be careful with you. It was a welt. Felt like a felt like a dent. Maybe it was just a welt. Here. That feels good. Give me your hand. There you go. It's like you're in chains. Remind me to undo that, though, when I pull them off later. <laughs> this was our gift from Adam and Eve. The moment we walk into this world, we are enslaved to oppression. This is where injustice comes in, comes into play. And without Jesus, this is our state. And this is the way in which the enemy of our soul controls us, leads us, influences us through the brokenness of life. We said earlier that the root, at the root, at the very root of humanity's problem, the very root, it's spiritual, it's sin. And that the way in which it plays itself out, the nature of the sin always plays itself out relationally. And so the injustice comes from oppressed people oppressing people. Never meant to be that way. But this is our gift. This is the state of humanity. And God is saying, but not my heart for you. Isn't it great to have a God that loves us like that? And that that would not. And so we're going to come back to you. You are up here for the remainder of the service. You okay with that? I saw him first. Yeah, did you? <laughs> That's good. And still sat in the front row. So my question to you is, are you okay looking at him for the next 20 minutes? That's good. Some of you are like, 20 minutes? No, absolutely. That's quick. I'm in. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. Last week, we really unpacked what is oppression. I'm going to have you go back and watch that. I'm going to spend a lot of time there. This week, I said that we were going to talk about how is pressure, why is oppression an injustice? And then lastly, what's my role in, in oppression and helping people be free? What's my role? Uh, why is it an injustice? Why is oppression injustice? Uh, because Jesus was oppressed for our sake. That, that, the simple version of why it's an injustice is because Jesus was oppressed for you. Let me, let me clarify. If you've ever read Isaiah 53, then you know that Jesus suffered greatly on our behalf. As the prophet writes in 53.7 of Isaiah, he was oppressed and afflicted. Isn't it interesting that the Bible talks about exactly how Jesus would die, and Jesus dies exactly how the Bible tells it would. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. The cross was the greatest act of oppression, and yet Jesus endured the cross. And he endured the cross so that you and I wouldn't have to. That's why he did it. His oppression was for you. And he said, I don't want them to bear that any longer. And he stepped in and bore that oppression for us. Have you ever had somebody do something for you and it just wasn't quite good enough and so you felt like you needed to do it the way you would have done it because it's better? Some of you are going, oh. Here's why you're, here's why you're doing that. Because have you ever done something for somebody that you put all of your heart and energy into and life and found out later that they changed it or fixed it or didn't want it? Why do we do that to Jesus? When Jesus comes and dies on the cross and breaks the chains and offers freedom, 
through following him and believing in him, why do we still think we can fix it without him? Why do we still think that we can be free without him? Why do we think we can fix the world without him? We can't. In Galatians 5.1, I want you to hear this. I'm coming back to you. Doing good. Galatians 5.1, so it says, So Christ has truly set us free from sin, from what destroys us, from eternity and hell. Set us free. And then it says, Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. See, oppression seeks to take back the freedom that Jesus gave you. I need another set of chains. This is the one I hit myself in the forehead with earlier. But I have learned. Everybody in the crowd watched a red bump develop on my head. And then they told me about it afterwards. We, walk, we step into this world without Christ. And we're bound. You're heavy. And Jesus steps in and takes the oppression for us. And in his life and death and resurrection, frees us. Frees us. That's the sound of freedom, church. Frees us. But the passage says, you've been set free. Don't, you hear it again? Make sure that you stay free. Why, why is he telling us that? Because we have this habit of loving our chains. They're just, I miss them. <laughs> and Jesus is like, but I, I freed you so that you wouldn't be free. Here, here's the problem, folks. The moment you either let the enemy in or you're part of the process because you allow it, because you're just, you've given him something to grab hold of. See, the reason the devil loves the chains is because he loves to get a hold of the chains and take you wherever he wants you. Oh, did we break something? Take you wherever he wants you to go. And he's a big, Brandon's a big guy. Have a seat. I mean, you could have easily said no, but I'm glad you said yes. And Jesus comes along and says, listen, I've set you free. Stop giving him space. Leave the chains and follow me, because if you'll follow me and as I lead, then you'll leave them. But if you let him get a foothold, if you decide to hang on, then he's got you. Do you not hear the chain? It was the Christmas carol, wasn't it? The scariest part of the whole movie was what? The chains. Why? Because it's the way he keeps you down. And Jesus is saying, listen, I set you free. Oppression seeks to take back the freedom that Jesus gave you chains 
When it comes to the change, folks, there is freedom. Sin's curse is broken now, and Jesus teaches us to stop submitting to the chains and submit to him. Why? Because he has to teach you what it looks like to be free. So in submitting to him, and the devil comes along, and he says, don't take the chain. And you say, but I want the chain. And he goes, and I'm going to help you not take the chain. And you say, help me not take the chain. Because the moment you take the chain... The enemy begins the process of wrapping you up. And he's good at it. So he can lead you where he wants you to go because he longs to control you. And that's what oppression does. Why is it injustice? Because you were designed to be free. Be free. You were designed for freedom, not to be bound by the stuff of this world that ultimately destroys. Why? Because it's oppressing you to the point of death. That's the wages of sin but to be free from the chains. So if it's an injustice because we were designed to be free, and by the way, followers of Jesus, we're designed to be free so that we can go into the world and free. So we, so we want to we wanna experience that freedom. And, and I have to tell you, listen, let me, let's be honest. Sometimes... We so love the chains that we need the church to come around us and help us process the chains truth. That's what this is all about on Sunday mornings during the week in small group. And you know what? Sometimes you've got such a grasp on these that you need professional counselors to come sit with you who love Jesus. Did you catch that? And process why you've held them so long and so hard because Jesus has said you're free. Why are you holding them? So that one day you can go, oh. And the church go, yes. Yeah, that's it. That's where they belong. So what's our role? If, if it's an injustice for us and for the world, what's our role? First, our role is it's to be free. Be free. As an individual who loves Jesus, be free. Don't let the enemy have any stronghold in your life because Jesus has set you free of all of it. So be free. It's two things. Being free is two things. It's spiritual and it's submission. Listen to 1 Peter 5. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. I love that we keep talking about the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God. Why? Because he cares about you. Aren't you glad? I don't care what the world has told you. I don't care what society has told you. I don't care what experience has told you. I don't care if it's any different than God loves you and cares about you deeply and wants to offer his goodness to you, then you've missed the point. He deeply loves each and every one of us and cares about us. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. Why? He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, to lead where he wants them to go. I'm going to let you go back by yourself because it just feels weird. <laughs> I'd make a horrible devil. Just going to put that on record. But that's the point. That's his goal. Lead you right to hell with him. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. You're not in it alone, so stay alert. Listen, we disconnect the spiritual and physical world. We disconnect them. We live in a dualistic culture that says it can't be both. 
It has to be one or the other. We're caught up in the physical, not realizing the physical and the spiritual world are connected. You are both body and you are spirit. You will feed the flesh or you will feed the spirit. And that determines how you live. That determines what relationships around you look like. You cannot separate them. And you're not to live in a way that separates them, which means your work is very spiritual to God. Your family life is very spiritual to God. It's not what you do, it's how you do it. It's not just a practical outworking of something physical. Everything is intertwined and interconnected. And so you need to understand two things that are really important as we stand against oppression in our own life. The first one is this. The devil is not God's equal. He is not a nemesis. He is not the opposite of God. There is not going to be some big battle at the end, and we're hoping God wins. God wins. He is not the opposite of God, so you don't need to worry because he is a created being, which means that God is still in charge and will always be in charge. The devil is not omnipresent. He is not everywhere. God is. He can't be everywhere all the time, and I promise you he's not headquartered in Lake Zurich, Illinois. But he has little minions called demons that are. And I'm telling you, folks, that is real. As a Pentecostal kid growing up in a charismatic church, I watched people be prayed for. I watched demons come out. I've seen them buckle, run, squeal to the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. This is real. And Jesus is the only one that can handle it. We see it all through the New Testament. Second, the other thing I want to tell you about the devil, which is really helpful for you to understand, is that he doesn't own the world. (laughs) The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. In other words, the reality is that the devil does not have the final say or authority in this world. Can I just say that again? The devil cannot and does not have any authority in this world. Only what you give him. Only what you give him. What you allow. Because the all authority in heaven and earth has been given to who? Jesus. And Jesus said, the same spirit that raised me from the dead lives in you. Now go and make disciples. What? Go free people. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded them. Why? Because it brings freedom. When you begin to understand those two fundamental positional realities, he can't be everywhere and he doesn't rule, you begin to understand that the enemy's schemes are a lot less complicated than you think. That's good news. Not only that, you need to understand that while we are in a fight, and I believe that, we are in a battle, we now have come into the reality of victory, which was purposed for us at the cross of Christ. The cross deals with four things. The cross deals with my vertical relationship with God. The cross deals with my inner relationship with my true self. The cross deals with my horizontal relationship with people around me. And the cross deals with the cosmic powers and authorities that have been set up across the earth to now bow its knee to the lordship and kingship of Jesus Christ. He holds the key to death, hell, and the grave. He ascended into heaven. He sits at the right hand of God interceding for the saints. And that's who's on your side. And so the Bible says one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess on earth and above that he is Lord. One of the things that hit me when I was young growing up in the church was I'd rather bow on my own than be forced to bow later. 
It's been quite a journey of bowing. That victory is immediate, folks. The victory that we have in Christ is immediate because the cross had immediate effect. Immediately, people were getting saved. We see that in Acts 2. Immediately, people were coming into the reality of this kingdom that Jesus talked about. It's got an immediate effect, and it's got a future effect as it's breaking in on the earth now, and people are experiencing freedom. How many of you in this room have found that you had something going on that was oppressing you, but God come in and set you free, and now you live in freedom of that thing because that's what Jesus does? We are testimonies of that. It's right now. He's doing it. It's got an immediate effect, and it's got a future effect. The presence of the future is the reality of God's kingdom on heaven coming down from heaven to earth. We've prayed it. And there's a tension that the enemy has some influence to the degree that we give it to him in our lives. And his whole point is to work out his purposes in a way that contradicts the purposes of God. The devil hates God, and he hates you. But because of Jesus' death, life, resurrection, and ascension, our hope is, no matter what the devil throws at me, hear this, there is a day coming when the kingdom of God will break in on the earth and all things will be made new and all things will be as God intended them to be. And if we happen to be here when that day comes, we can go, yeah, I've been working, I've been helping, I've been setting up freedom for all who have preached the name of Jesus and have followed Jesus, So our battle is never for victory, church. Our battle is from victory. Already done. Already won. And I live in that. That truth in that victory that I was set free. Because I have a relationship with Jesus. When we talk about spiritual warfare and we talk about the reality of the spirit world, we do not approach it from a place of fear. Oh, don't get me wrong. The enemy of our soul is powerful, but our God is God. And so we approach it from a place of authority because it's been given to us. And so when you submit to God, you resist the devil and he flees. I've watched it. So what does it mean to submit to God? It's spiritual and it's submission. Let me give you this. It's really important that we capture this. Here's what submission looks like. I'm going to give you these really fast and we're going to go home. We're going to watch the game. Because submission submission is the grateful response. When you look at all that Jesus has done, can I just tell you something? I, I, I am so done in my life asking God to do things. And, and given, and given <laughs> love this one, Making a contract with him. Giving him an ultimatum. Ay, ay, ay. If God never does another thing for me, he has done enough. Period. And so now it's just about coming alongside and getting to know him because I am so grateful for what he's done. And out of gratitude comes submission that starts when we believe in him. And believing in him isn't just saying something, it's living something. It's following. And that takes humility because we're prideful. So he says, I oppose the proud, but I give grace to the humble. So humbly submit to God. That's first. We believe in a way that it informs how we act. The second one, we obey. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. That would also mean that if you don't keep the commandments, you don't love me. 
If you love me, obey. You, that's selflessness. That's saying God wants me to obey. Why? Because he sees and knows what's best, not because he's a control freak. Believe in him, obey him. Secondly, know him. I didn't say know about him. You can know a lot about God and still miss God. The demons know God. They know about God. They've been hearing about him for a long time. I mean, know him to the point that he becomes your greatest desire. That's the journey the Holy Spirit takes you on. With every, every moment, he convinces you to lay it all down. Believe in him, obey him, know him. That's being with him. Fourth one, extend that submission to others. The Bible says, submit to one another as unto the Lord. You know what that is? It's vulnerability. It's saying, Brad, you're a mess, and I'm a mess. But Jesus is coming and doing a work on the mess, and it looks good on you. And you say it looks good on me. And we come together. <laughs> That's what you say. That's <laughs> community. Community and faith. Lastly, you believe in him, you obey him, you know him, submit to one another, and then you share him, because that's ultimate trust, isn't it? That you believe it enough that you're going to share it with everybody? That's a whole nother level. I think when you're sharing it is the surest sign you believe it. All of this leads us to hope. Submission is all areas of our lives willingly brought under his authority. Submission to the mission. That's what we do. The mission of God. I want to say that again. I'm coming back to you now. You were wondering. Submission is all areas of our lives willingly brought under his authority. Hear me, hear me. Because if it's not under his authority, it's under someone else's. See, isn't it interesting that people will say they don't want God because they don't want to be told what to do? But they live in a world where they don't have a choice. Because the enemy of our soul leads them where he wants them to go. Whether they admit it or not, he's got them. Or Jesus didn't need to come. And you know what's crazy? As we process this, I said, what's our role? Be free. Here's the other one. Bring freedom. It's not just about you. We're getting free because God's got a work for us to do. And it's the things that keep us bound that hold us back from doing the work. But when you get free, bring freedom. Why? Because free people, free people. It's what we do. 27 million slaves in the world. We sit here free. Does it break your heart? Forced every day to do things that you wouldn't even think to do to someone you hate most. And we sit, having been given freedom through Christ, loving our chains. And we go up to lost people and we say, hey, you need to take those off. God's got something better for you. I've experienced it. right? That's, that's the look. Because the world can see the chains because they have them. But man, when you have said no 
to oppression and yes to the freedom of Christ. And God is working in that freedom out in your life and you're learning what that looks like. You can go to somebody and say, hey, there is a freedom that you can have and you're speaking from experience and you can, through the help of Christ, lead that people to their own freedom in Jesus. So we do. I feel better. Because that's how it's designed to be better. Can you give Brandon a big round of applause for him? Do you know what? Free people see chained people differently. Free people, like Jesus coming into Jerusalem and looking upon the multitudes that didn't know him and would reject him, had compassion and wept. Because free people can look at the people in chains and not judge them, but have compassion on them and love them. Because they were once there. But you know what? Followers of Jesus who still live in chains have a hard time looking at people without seeing the chains. Freedom from oppression. Next week, share a little story with you. A buddy of mine, I don't even know if he wants me to tell the story, but I'm telling his name is Micah. He's going to be coming to speak. He's going to talk to you about disease. He's the, the founder of Poetis International. They plant hope centers all over the world. Hates injustice. We have this conversation all the time. Just hates it. Hate, hates that there would be a lack of freedom in a believer's life. Hates that the world wouldn't be free. And knows that we're called to do something about it. He's on a plane in Atlanta headed to Michigan. I'm on a plane in Atlanta headed to Chicago. We just got back from Haiti. And he texts me and he says, hey, just so you know, this is a corridor for sex trafficking. Text me a picture of the guy sitting next to him. Later, I find the story that he had leaned over because the guy was being suspicious and checked out what he was doing. And he was setting up meetings with underage girls with older men. The guy set his phone down, unlocked. So Micah picked it up, put it in his pocket and headed to the bathroom. Took it out, started taking pictures went to the stewardess and said, hey, I need to report a crime, sex trafficking. You know what to do. Bring it to my seat. Goes back. The guy's frantically looking for his phone. He goes, we'll find it. We'll find it. Bends down, slides it behind him under the seat, picks it up and says, sir, here's your phone. The lady brings him the paper, fills out the report. And I got to believe that we don't know the outcome, that in that moment, people were saved. Because somebody was willing to step into injustice like Jesus stepped in for you and me. And what would it look like when free people, awkwardly sometimes, sometimes doing more harm than good, step into injustice because we will not tolerate oppression in this world. Whether that's racial, whether it's religious, whether it's sin, whether it's personal, whether it's physical, whether it's collective, whether it's an individual, it doesn't matter. If it's oppression and we have freedom, it would be an injustice to bask in our freedom. And so we go and we fight. Not in our strength, but in his. Submitting 
and the devil fleeing, people coming to Christ. Would you stand with me? Here's my ask. And I'd love to do more here because I think we need more. I, I think we're convinced of the physical because we can see it. I think the spiritual we get, many of us are convinced. We've seen it. We've experienced its toll on our lives. And we know that God has authority over it. If you don't, give God a chance. Watch what will happen. Heard stories all morning of people stepping in and speaking the name of Jesus and the devil's got to go. If you're in this room and you're saying, you know what, there's a level of oppression in my life as a believer that I'm tired of. And I want God to deal with it. Guys, this is, before I have you raise your hand, this is a hard one. This is one of those ones that um, if we limited what we preach from the front to what we're living well, we wouldn't preach much. I've got some things where the enemy just loves to get in and dig. Does anybody else have some of that going on in your Christ-following world? And you would say, I'm done. I want freedom. I want to know full freedom that radically changes me from the inside out. And the one thing I desire most is God. And I live with the power of the Holy Spirit that allows me to step into a world full of oppression and watch God free them. Physically, emotionally, spiritually most. God, I pray for my friends who've raised their hands. God, this is really big. For some in this moment, through the power of the Holy Spirit, there will be a freedom they've never felt or experienced before in their life. Others of us need to be surrounded in these moments by friends who love us and care about us and walk with us. Others of us need to find our way to a place where we can get the help we need to be free because it's bigger than us. But it's always bigger than us, God, because we can't do it alone. We have to have you. So Holy Spirit, come in this moment and bring freedom in the name of Jesus to every heart and every life. We claim it and we stand upon it. We are not looking in victory for it, but victory from it because you have given us that victory. And we also pray that if there's anything hidden, God, that you would reveal it to us, that we might speak it in faith, that you would cause it to go in Jesus' name. Every oppression, go in the name of Jesus. That is the freedom we ask for. In your name, amen. It's a journey, church. It's a journey we need to be on. Be free and bring freedom. And watch what God does. We're praying for you. Love you. Have a great week.